you need to go out there and cut a check. I don't even care if it's on a piece of paper and you draw a fake check, write yourself a check for $10,000, for $100,000, for a million dollars. Instead of feeling like a fraud, have a check in your wallet that's worth over a million dollars and see how that makes you feel and think every single day. And if you can't play pretend like that, I need you just to bear with me here and understand what the philosophy of this is. Mm. We are winners. We are not going to lose. We are going to push through whatever it takes to find success. And there's a reason few and far between find success in real estate. And I think it's mostly mindset and it's discipline. Welcome to another episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. I'm Aisham Hipshire. And once again, I'm not joined by my partner, Tanner Santucci. But guys, if you're looking at the screen or if you're listening or if you saw the title, we lucked out. We, we did it. We got the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ryan Zolan on the show today. Ryan, how are you, sir? Uh, no complaints, bro. It's a Friday. Appreciate you having me on. It is a Friday, indeed. A very good Friday. Man, this is, um, I, I, I'm, dude, I'm speechless. Like the, the caliber of people that we've been able to get on our show recently has been mind blowing. And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, dude, because I, um, I, I, you know, we don't, you know, nothing about me. I, I know a decent amount about you, but um, I've been, you know, I've been lurking in the background and, and just learning from you and, and paying attention uh, for a while now. And it's been, I mean, your, your, your story seems to be incredible. So I'm really looking forward to getting the background of the story. And one, sure. of, one, of, one of the things that we really like to do on this specific podcast, the whole intention of this thing, man, was um, it wasn't for, we, we have a land business, you know, we, we're, we're all land. Um, and so we don't get any sort of kickbacks. There's no like send us your deals or any of that thing. It, it was truly started as a, a mission to really help people. Because one of the things I, I noticed is when, it, when I got started, you know, I, uh, May of last year, I got, it was, there's no coaching program, none of that, that I was a part of. I just, I saw a, a, a TikTok video uh, from Paul McComas. and was like, that sounds awesome. I've been wanting to get into real estate for a long time. Jumped right in um, and I, I knocked out my first deals, 20K deal in like three weeks or something like that, right? And then, you know, going going through the motions and learning systems and whatnot, I ended up joining Astro Flipping. And while I was in there, um, I was noticing just people were struggling on their first deal. Like a lot of, like that was the thing. Like there was so much drama around getting your first deal. And I'm like, first deal was nothing like that. That wasn't hard. So I had to really think back, like, why did I, why was I able to get my first deal so quickly? Like what, what happened? And what I realized it was mindset. Like it's the mindset that I had that like, I, I wasn't going to be denied. There was no timeline. I was just going to go all in, give it all I got and keep giving it all I got. And so the one I, I wanted to help people, I, you know, I started getting on calls with people and whatnot. I wanted to really help people to, to see what they can do to help their mindset and while I was talking with Jamil, the idea of the podcast came to my, my mind. And I asked him, what do you think? Jamil's like, go for it, bro. And so that was, I don't know, November of last year. And, and um, since then, man, it's, it's been an amazing resource for people. And so uh, what, what we do is, man, we just dive into your story. So we're not going to talk right. tactics or, you know, agent outreach or any of that stuff, because I know you're the master of that. And you got a ton of content out there. I want to know your story, man. I'm fascinated sure. by you, dude. So- Dude, I, I wanted to just kick it over to you and, and let's start, dude. I would love to hear kind of your origin story, where you're from, how, you know, how did Ryan Zolan come about? For sure. Yeah. I always, uh, it's tough when you tell a story like a million times, cause it's like, you always feel like you missed something. And then every time you tell it, there's always something else that pops up. Um, nothing too crazy. I mean, kind of typical American story, but family's divorced, uh, moved out here from Chicago when I was young. My family was still together at that point, but we moved across country for my mom and dad to start a restaurant repair company. Hmm. Uh, the background on that was uh, neither member of my family, my mom or my dad had a college degree. And I was very instilled when I was young that college, 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 because they didn't want me like, again, most American families. The reason why parents are strict is because they don't want the kid to end up similar to where they were without options, without control, without ability to scale, to make more stability or income, whatever you want to call it. Um, my dad was working in a factory and he was kind of like capped out making a certain amount of dollars per year. 
And at a certain point, you know, things go wrong. There's issues that pop up with machinery. There's things that go on over at the bakery. And they used to call these technicians that would come out. And my dad was the one signing off on like all the bills. And so he'd see a $4,000, $5,000, $7,000 bill that they were just paying for equipment to be fixed. But my dad was the one that was kind of doing majority of the work of repairing it. So while he was capped as a W-2 employee or whatever his agreement was with that company, watching somebody else come in and be of service and solve problems, providing value, right? They were able to make a lot more money than he was as the employee that was basically running the place. So what inspired him was a better life for me, my uh, mother, and then also I have a half brother. We have the same dad, different moms. So with all that, my dad decided to late 30s go into um, trade school and he learned how to become a restaurant repair technician. Uh, at the time, they had mentioned that some states in the West Coast, Arizona, New Mexico, I think it was like Colorado and one other state, maybe Utah. Uh, those were really good opportunities to go out there and start a new life. And so my dad, my mom and I went out here to come visit, um, went back home, packed up our bags, and suddenly we were out in a state with no connections, uh, nothing. So that's what brought us to Arizona. Mom and dad decided to take a risk. I mean, we're talking seventy, eighty thousand dollars in credit card debt, starting up a wow. company. My mom's door knocking, putting flyers out. Do you own a restaurant? Do you need repairs? We will do this, this, and this for free. We'll do X, Y, and Z that most uh, like corporate companies wouldn't do. Uh, fast forward, I mean, it's been, I think, 20, 21 years now. It did cost the marriage, but my dad ended up opening up a HVAC branch. My brother's now the CEO of that company. As you could tell, the obviously only thing that didn't occur there was that I didn't end up working for that company. So sure. um, I ended up trying it during like school breaks, during high school and whatnot, uh, spring break, fall break, winter break, summer break. I just didn't really like arm deep down in fryers. I didn't like being on top of a roof where it's 130 degrees, installing AC units, all of that stuff. I have a lot of tremendous amount of respect for, and I know how uh, much physical labor it takes to do what their job is. It just was never a focus for me. So I got that entrepreneurial mindset growing up. Uh, conversations at the dinner table were a little bit different. It was- How are they? Business, taxes, offsetting taxes, employees not doing enough. Um, how do I scale? How do we sacrifice? How do we do X, Y, and Z? The thing I will say that, um, not for pity or anything like that, but I was the kid that grew up without dad. Dad was always out. Uh, no soccer games, no baseball games. I was lucky if he made it to any of my karate stuff. Uh, but it was just me and mom. So that's what ended up costing the marriage was parents weren't on the same page. Dad wanted to scale and make a lot more happen. Mom wanted to enjoy the fruits of the labor. So that's what split them up, uh, led to probably, I don't know, I think it was like third, fourth grade. They ended up splitting. Um, I went back and forth to Chicago for like four or five years where it was like started it or started kindergarten out here, ended it in Illinois, started first grade out there, ended it out here. Started second grade out here, ended it out there. Started third grade out there, ended it out here. So it was like crazy going back and forth while the parents were trying to put bandages over the marriage. But right. um, that had nothing to do with it. I mean, obviously it all was uh, turned out how it was supposed to. Family is okay. Everyone's in good like standing condition, but okay. uh, it was just not meant to be. So I see. I see. Uh, so, um, man. That's that's kind of a lot, and and I don't want to go you know too much in, into your definitely not your personal life because you know it's, it's a lot of it's none of my business. But you know just for the sake of people being able to relate uh, to your story, I, I think it's pretty important because you're a pretty put together guy. You know what I mean? And like my partner, he's 26. I'm 42. Um, and when when I how old are you, Ryan? If you don't mind me asking. 25. 25. Okay. Uh, when I was 25, I was not polished and put together like you and, and guys like, like, you know, my partner are. And so I'm fascinated understanding, you know, that upbringing that, that led to that mindset to, to sure. just keep going. So let me ask you this, you know, one of the things that uh, just one of the traits I should say that are, you know, just in every entrepreneur is just this theme of consistency right? Just this, the ability to keep doing the same thing over and over again, after all the joy is gone and whatnot, you just, you just keep at it. Um, Did you, would you say you learned that from your parents? Um, you know, it's weird. I had a mix because, um, for my father, a lot of the drive and, uh, passion was money. He was fueled by finding success in money and then money leading to other opportunities. I saw the good, the bad, the ugly with that. 
Um, but then on my mom's side, I saw life. I saw, let's go and enjoy the moments. Let's be very present. Let's understand what we're feeling and thinking and why we're feeling and thinking that way and what we can do about it. So I got like a really good counterbalance. I didn't have strict parents by any means. They had beliefs and opinions, but I was also the kid that I'm sure you could tell, especially by the end of this, that um, whenever somebody tells me to do something or pushes me in one direction, I get turned off by that. So they learned pretty quickly that if they wanted me to comply, it was just by communicating. So I always went to my parents with stuff, never had to hide anything. They were always the type that wanted me to go out there and do stuff on my own and figure it out. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but I, I do find joy in um, helping people. And I think that it kind of is similar to how I grew up. I want people to be able to communicate to me knowing it's a safe space. There's never really any judgment on my end uh, because I understand variables are very right. real in life. And a lot right. of times the things that people go through, all it really is, is perspective. I can only to some extent put myself in somebody else's shoes and imagine and feel what they're going through. But if they can give me enough perspective based on what they're communicating to me, I can hopefully give enough guidance and opinion as to what would be in their best interest. Man, that's powerful. Um, that's very powerful. Uh, gosh. So as far as the judgment goes, man, cause that's a big thing. You know, one of the for people like you, I would find that it's, you know, it's almost like you have the solution to a lot of people's problem. If they can just speak openly and honestly to you about their situation. Right. But sure. a lot of times people fear doing that for judgment. How are you able to overcome that fear for them and make them comfortable with being able to tell you things that are going on so that so you can yeah. so this is like my mom's um infinite saying but it's like it is what it is and control what you can control uh, a lot of times whatever's supposed to happen in the world will so if i'm mm -hmm. at the right place at the right time even like this right here you and i talking today that happened yeah. for a reason so it comes down to people being accepting of whatever advice they're going to get um, hoping obviously that it's from the right person but if they're willing and able and accepting of the information uh, that I'm going to give them, then it'll work out however it's supposed to. Good and bad. I mean, I'm not always right as well. Sure. So with that said, I mean, there's a lot of times that I go to people and I'll ask them for advice too. And um, I'm accepting of whatever input it is that they have. So I think it's really just on the person that um, is receiving the advice that they have to be open to um, accepting it. I see. That makes sense. Let's uh, let's go back a little bit to your story now with your um, so I, I assume that your dad, uh, you know, moved to Phoenix, started the business um, and you're saying you're going back and forth. Are both your parents living in the area? Or yep, is yep. So they're here when we were traveling back and forth. It was my mom and I um, rather than ripping the bandaid and just divorcing. Uh, it was a weird fucked up game of like back and forth, taking me to Chicago, back here to Chicago, back here, trying to make it work. It just didn't. Uh, final time it didn't work out, just ripped the bandaid and got divorced. So I see. Yeah. Dude, my it's parents, my yeah. parents divorced and remarried three times be before they, uh, yeah. you know, called, called it off. And so it's funny. I was just having a conversation with a friend on my, on my way here, uh, about that situation. So I, I can relate. Dude, it's uh, interesting. I mean, honestly, I was young enough to where I didn't really know what was going on. The only thing I can ever really remember and relate to is that I had friends that were in Chicago and friends that were out here that kept saying, where are you going to be? Like, are you staying here or are you going back? And every time I'd end up in another state, it was like, no, I'm here for real this time. And then by the time <laughs> I was like four months, six months later, I was gone. Oh, so, no. <laughs> but, no, it's all good. It's all good. So, uh, so it, it's, you know, you, I'm, you know, you graduate high school in Phoenix Arizona. area yep. or in yep. Arizona. Um, what next? What, what happened? What sparked this, this real estate flame? You know, it was weird. Um, I mentioned this and like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I say this story so many times sure. that it's like, there was one time I said it and I was like, holy cow, I actually remembered my senior year. Uh, my brother and father were investing in some real estate. It wasn't really anything that like I was a part of or helping with, but it was very evident that I wasn't going to go and work for their company. The physical labor side of me was not there. Uh, but also we didn't have a plan. So they were kind of just throwing a bunch of different things at me, seeing what would stick. They knew that I liked to wear a suit and tie. I was in like one of these business clubs in high school where I was out there doing a bunch of like role play scenarios and sales stuff. Um, I was hmm. pretty decent at it, but school was definitely not my forte. Right. So when I graduated, barely, um, I had options to pick and there was only few and far between with not going to college with one of them being real estate. 
uh, because I was at some seminar. It was at the time, I didn't even realize who it was, but it was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad seminar. One of those where they give you a bunch of information. They give you like the tip of the icing. Um, and then it's like, boom, if you want more information, go to the back of the room, drop 50K and you'll get all the keys. Um, so with that, obviously didn't have the money, but that was my first exposure. I just remember that um, I liked it enough to where I was asking questions. It was actually my dad and brother that invested for me and one of my buddies to go to like a two day event, uh, full transparency. I slept through like that whole event. I was in the back of the room, just like in high school. And I in one ear out the other, nothing stuck to it at all. The only thing I remember hearing was that people were making a lot of money and you didn't need to have a college degree to do it. So that's kind of what was the only intro to real estate I had. It was being a part of like these two little webinar things or in-person events that didn't really re like resonate at all to me. Sure. Uh, but because I didn't have many options to pick from, real estate was something I figured I would try. The other reason behind it was I was always um, not really like analytical because I wasn't that smart, but it was just common sense to me. Do I want to go spend 40K on a degree to hopefully make 40K? Maybe even spending more than 40K to make less than 40K? that's realistic. Or do I go into an option like real estate school where it's thousand, 1500 bucks. I could walk out of there with a licensing, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was qualified to help people buy and sell. So my thought process was that it was cheap. It was easy. And on top of that, they told me I could get it done in nine days. There was like a nine day mm. crash course. So I enrolled for the nine day crash course, uh, two days in my brain was fried. And I was like, there's no way I'm doing this in nine days, slowed it down a little bit, kind of took it at my own pace. Uh, got it done in about a month and a half, passed the tests, and then I was officially licensed in, uh, I think it was August, September-ish of 2016. So what do you think the difference was? If you were sleeping in the back of this two-day seminar, yet you were pushing through this course that you seemingly didn't want to be at, what, what was the difference between the two? Uh, sink or swim. What was my alternative? Mm. I was very like realistic. I had a good amount of like awareness for being 18, and my options were slim. Uh, the alternative is that I could go work for my father's company. My brother would be my boss and I would never be able to take over the throne of his position of CEO, or I could go and work another job and hopefully work my way up, uh, the totem pole. And by the time it's all said and done, maybe be at six figures. I had no expectation of making six figures in real estate, full transparency. I was like, maybe one day when I first started, I used to literally have a dream. I'd get a deal in my first 10 years. One deal, first 10 years, dumbest thought process in the entire world. Interesting. Uh, but at 18, I mean, I was just like, ah, let's figure it out. And I did not do well in the school. So I had to slow it down. Uh, I failed the school test twice. I failed the state and the national test. It was two separate tests at the time, uh, like six or seven times. So it was not an easy route to go. Um, I had to pay for tutors. I had, um, shouldn't say it on a recorded thing, but I don't really care at this point, but I had <laughs> teachers at the school that were literally giving me test answers because of how dumb I was with all the classes. So they were helping me get past it all. But it, at a certain point, I mean, did I have any kind of qualification to be a realtor? No. And I feel like even after I passed the test, I felt clueless. I didn't feel like I learned anything in the real estate school. I didn't feel like I understood anything. The only thing I was slightly good at was the math because I had just gotten out of high school. A lot of the people that were around me, 40, 50, 60 years old, they'd been out of the math game for decades. So for me to be at least fresh out of high school, I was able to understand some of the basic math that was needed to be done. At this point, who was it that believed in you? I, I mean, I had my family pushing me, but like belief wise, oh, yeah. I don't think I really had anybody in real estate. That's the one thing I love to debunk is, you know, it's always crazy when you start coming up with some money and you're young, people make assumptions. It's daddy's money. It's this handout. It was this connection. It was this, it was that. Sure. I didn't have that. I didn't have any prior connection to real estate other than my dad and brother watched a couple HGTV shows and bought a few houses. And when they were 30, 40,000, like that's nothing. They were out there just buying properties. They had offset taxes. So there was no one really deep in the real estate game. The belief side, I really think it was myself. Like, and I don't want to sound like some arrogant asshole, but I believed in myself because I saw what my family had to sacrifice to move across the country where they had nothing. So I could feel sorry for myself, but the perspective at a young age was that I saw my family sacrifice legitimately everything to go to a state across the country where they had no money, no connections. They had no prior business relationships and they built something incredible. So I knew it would take time, but that's kind of where I think my thought process and the belief of if it takes me 10 years to get one deal, I'd be 28. 
okay, 28 years old. I've got one deal under my belt in 10 years. I'm probably the world's worst realtor slash investor, but one deal at 28, shoot. Okay. Who around me is 28 years old that is in real estate that's been doing it for 10 years. And now, mm. I mean, I'm 25. I've been doing it for seven years. I have seniority over a lot of people and I'm to a lot of them half their age. Sure. So if I'm half their age and I've got seven plus years of experience, I'm right where I thought my projected obviously I've done more than one deal, but like at 25, I, I'm here like where I could say with confidence, I know what I'm doing. So I believed in myself. I had a good supporting background. Uh, my mom and dad believed in me. My mom was definitely cringing over not going to college, but right. as she started seeing some success, uh, she was always supportive. Right. So, yeah. Has there, has there been a, like an, an insult or a criticism that, that people have said about you that you actually see as one of your greatest strengths? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cliche and it kind of goes to what we were just talking about. But when I was first getting started, people would criticize me because of my age and I did believe it. But the thing that was my biggest strength is what I have that is the most value that most people don't have. And it's time. I am very efficient with it and I'm very intentional. I don't like to waste time. I probably the, the world's like shortest tempered 25 year old you'll ever see because I just feel like life is getting wasted. So at the same time, while I'm 25, youth, I'm, dude, I'm young. I'm not even 30. Like I got right. five more right. years till I'm 30 years old. I got plenty of time. So while a lot of people are worried about having to get stuff down, done in next one year, three years, five years, if I take 10 more years, okay, I'm 35. By 35 years old, what will I have accomplished? It will hopefully be a lot. Well, yes. Um, Gosh, I mean, you've done so much, so much at this point. I, I, I know we'll get there eventually. I, I definitely kind of still want to stick to the story. There's so many questions sure. I want to ask you, dude, just to dive in your brain. But, but I really want to get a better understanding because I, it, it's, I'm sure there is a lot of stuff where you told your story. But I feel like everything that so far that me personally that I've seen on you is more mostly you know a lot of the tactical stuff and and you you know sharing tips on agent outreach and whatnot. And so mm -hmm. I apologize if 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 I you know I really wasn't aware that you'd you'd gone over your story that much. No, um, bro, you're good. I I don't mind sharing it because you never know who it's gonna get. Um, and at the end of the day. Like I said, too, like there's a lot of times that one extra piece gets added in that you forget to tell from the last time. So sure. um, everything working out the way it's supposed to and everything happening, happening for a reason. Uh, there's going to be somebody that hopefully listens to this that will resonate to it, that will hear the story that wouldn't have been able to hear it from other platforms. Maybe they, maybe they just didn't know who I was or they didn't know the people that I've been connected with. Right. And it opens up their eyes to a whole different chapter. Well, OK, well, let's go there then. So you're you know, you get your license, you're an agent and. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a big rub. I shouldn't say there's a big rub. That's making an assumption, but there maybe used to be. When we're working on it. There's a there's a rift between agents and and investors or wholesalers. Very much there, and there still is to this day. Absolutely. How how did you feel about investors when you first learned about that? I was intimidated. Man. I wasn't intimidated. I was beyond intimidated. I should say. Um, I started off on a team at Keller Williams where I was an ISA. I was an inside sales agent where they made me wear dress clothes. And I sat with a little partition up in the back corner by the bathroom. And I had to make calls with a headset on literally for 10 to 12 hours a day. Mm. So I remember when the team that I was on at the time used to mention that they had investor clients that they would buy properties with and they were doing JV deals, but they never called it a JV. And so they were fixing, flipping houses. They were selling luxury deals. They were doing a lot of even creative finance stuff, but it just was well over my head. Uh, I was only there for a short little pit stop, ended up finding a mentor afterwards that took me under his wing. And the thing that really opened my eyes was that my mentor at that time was an investor. So not to share too much of his background, but he ended up creating a company that got regulated by insurance that he ended up selling it with a partner for like $44 million. Dude walks away with like 20 mil, um, obviously before taxes. And he offsets a lot of it by investing in real estate. He starts watching the market go. Market's about to crash in 08. He sells off all the properties. He buys them back from the people he just sold it to after the market crashed. Wow. So I saw a guy that was probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in real estate, very low key under the radar, but he was making like a quarter million a year from the pizza shop he owned. He was making about 50 to 100K a year off of traditional real estate. He was making 100K a year off of investing in real estate. He was making about 50 to 75K off of different ventures he had invested into. So I was like doing the math in my head and I was like, man, this guy's not just an investor in real estate. He's an investor in business. 
And so as I was learning more from him as my mentor, um, he introduced me to a lot of what was possible. The only thing he didn't know was how to scale and efficiently do a fix and flip business at a very high level. And he had no idea what wholesaling was. So mm. the biggest thing that he knew as value was he knew how to go in there and renovate a property a little bit, but he was keeping it as a rental. So he knew how to buy and hold properties and create a portfolio as opposed to going in and doing quick, high active income, cash flowing things. I see. I see. So, so working with this guy kind of opened your, your your eyes over time to the investment space and made you, uh, I, I guess, feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, he was my backbone. I wasn't doing any paperwork um, while I was young and intimidated because of my age. I was playing the part with him. Uh, it was a mentor-mentee relationship, but I used to dress up in like the dress clothes that I was forced to wear at the old company. It's what I was used to, and I didn't mind doing it, like I said, in high school. But I used to show up, and I was wearing like a fake wedding ring at 18, 19 years old, so they would be like, oh, yeah, this guy is like 27, 27. Yeah. <laughs> no one would assume he's an 18-year-old kid. But also, too, I had a shield, and my shield was Jeff Dorston. So that was my mentor. Um, we'd walk into these appointments, and Jeff was like, oh, yeah, Ryan's my social media guy. I'm a licensed real estate agent. I'm getting 50% of the deal. I didn't care what people called me. So my very first lesson was no ego. I didn't give a shit what my title was. We used to call me new business development on my business card that had Jeff Dorston's name all over it. Great. I didn't care at all because I was learning. So um, I was actually doing way more than I should have done at 18, 19 years old, where we were doing business broker transactions and commercial deals. So I was the 18, 19 year old that was selling actual like light industrial commercial buildings. I was selling existing businesses, nail salons, pizza shops, sub shops, a recording company, uh, sold a nine and a half million dollar car wash, sold a three and a half million dollar existing horse ranch that does a bunch of equestrian type uh, events. So I was doing all these things at 18, 19 years old. I didn't care what my title was. I was just excited to be a part of something and learning what all of real estate had uh, to entail. So my goodness, yeah. dude, that I, what was life like then? I, I can imagine. I mean, you're, you're going into this thing not really haphazardly, but you know, just like, what else am I going to do? Mm -hmm. Um, but you, you go into this with a good work ethic, I'm assuming, or else this guy probably wouldn't yeah. have taken you under Definitely. your wing. Right. Yep. Um, and then next thing you know, like you're just being blasted into the atmosphere with, with all this craziness. Is it overwhelming? Was it oh, exciting? Oh, it was, it was very overwhelming. I left the team that I was on to go and work with him as a mentor mentee thing. And I was like, I'm never going to have a team. I'm never going to have a partner. I'm never going to like be at the small boutique brokerage. I left to Keller Williams to go to a brokerage that had a hundred people to uh -huh. work with a mentor that ended up becoming my business partner. And then you could guess it the next year we launched a team. So again, no ego after a year of trial and error, him and I just kind of messing around. We were the number three team at the brokerage. We weren't wow. number one. It's fine, whatever. But number three team as an 18, 19 year old kid that had no idea what he was doing. The cool thing was is that I provided value before asking. So at this time, I finally started reading some books. Didn't really know personal development, but like learned strategy behind some things. And Gary Vee had launched his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. And nice. I was like, all right, well, the right hook is that I go in and say, we're going to be business partners. We're going to be 50-50. We're going to do this, this, and this. Dude, I didn't have the credibility. He was my mentor. I had to prove my value to him. So our arrangement when we first started was that anything I brought to the table would be 50-50. Anything he brought to the table, that's his deal. Because of my what I got screwed over with when the team that I was on when I first started, um, walked away with just like a few hundred bucks after a couple of deals, I didn't really care. I just wanted to learn, but I wanted to be compensated fairly. So for Jeff and I to have an uh, agreement where anything he did on his own, I didn't get a piece of, it didn't cost him anything by helping me. It costed right. time, but if I brought opportunity, my value that I was bringing to him was dollars that he wouldn't have had if it wasn't for me. So I was basically putting all the effort in for real estate for us to go and find more business. And I was sitting on the phones, not 10 to 12 hours a day, but six to eight hours a day, I was making cold calls. That was a break from what I was used to at Keller Williams. And I was basically feeling like I was working half-assed, but I was still the first person in and last person out every day. So we ended up launching a team. I was 19 at the point. Uh, we ended up growing very quickly. We had like 23, 24 agents that were working for us. Uh, then I just realized that a quick point, traditional real estate wasn't it. The reason most of us do this business is because we either like the HGTV shows or we feel like this is true freedom and flexibility. Right. Reality check for me at 19, you don't have freedom and flexibility as a realtor. People <laughs> like to view homes when they're free. And most sure. people that are working in their 
job or whatever during free time is nights and weekends, the occasional lunch break. But nights and weekends, majority, it's Friday. It's not Friday. It's Monday. Like you're getting ready to go to work for your open houses, for your showings and get stuff done while you can, because that's when people are available. So I um, got introduced to one of my buddies, Templeton Walker, who's out here. He's a very big wholesaler local in the Valley. And he asked me to go to breakfast one day. And this is when I had that big team. I was doing all this stuff. He did the original agent outreach method, but he actually was like wine and dining me. He brought me out to breakfast, started telling me everything he was doing. And the way that Temp is, is just such a wholehearted human that he was explaining to me what wholesale was. And I was like, bro, like waste of time. Like I got it all figured out. Traditional real estate. Clearly this is what it is. I have a business partner that taught me everything. We're now the number one team at the brokerage. I'm 19 years old. I'm on track for probably about 130, $150,000 this year. I got it figured out. He mentioned he made $400,000 a year on the side wholesaling and it broke my brain because when I heard on the side, obviously it starts to make you think like I'm working 60 hours a week, busting my ass to go make six figures. Right. What do you mean on the side? Um, (laughs) I ended up bringing that right back to my business partner, brought it to the brokerage. The brokerage told me you can't wholesale. There's no money in wholesaling. You can't fix and flip and make an investment company. And then my business partner wasn't willing to jump ship. So, um, this was one of the toughest decisions I had to make mm. early on, but at 19 years old, I stepped away from my partner that taught me everything in real estate. I fired all of my agents except for one. And I left the brokerage that I was the face of the rising star and the number one team at to go and explore what wholesale was. So this was 2018. Wow. All because of a conversation with temp where he made 400 on the side. I believed in him. And I don't know if it was just, he's a really good sales guy or what, but I, I like to say it's a testament to his character. As sure. much as I want to say, go me, I've got good ability to pick people. Um, I do think that is definitely the case. And I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit, talking about the people that I've been surrounded with, but it was him. I mean, I believed in him. I've been pitched now at this age. I mean, it's probably like multiple times a week where people are throwing stupid stuff over my way that I'm just like, this is a waste of time. Sure. With him, it was genuine. It was like he cared. If he was going to breakfast with me to pitch me on agent outreach, his whole spiel started off with send me your deals. Why? I'm 19, 20 years old, whatever it was. I'm young. I'm relatable. Him and I are like the bros or whatever. I met him when I was at Keller Williams. He had one of those glass offices, short shorts, polos, snapbacks, and he was sitting there putting golf with ESPN on. Meanwhile, I had to walk past his office every day to go down the corner by the bathroom in my dress clothes to put on my headset and mind my business for 12 hours and make calls while he's messing around in the short shorts putting mm. golf in his office. So I already had that like big brother feeling of right. that's who I want to be when I'm older. That when he was telling me about what he was doing, it started off as a pitch, but then it opened up to true value that he was providing to me for absolutely no reason. So it was just a true testament as to who he was as a person. Um, he believed in me and saw something in me that I don't even know if I necessarily saw in myself yet. I felt like kind of a fraud even by being a traditional agent because my business partner was doing all my paperwork. Right Now, fast forward, I'll say it was smart delegation, having a TC sure. and having him do all that to CYA. But with that said, I mean, I all I was doing was leading and managing people that were twice my age. So what I believed in was an opportunity. Um, it was a belief in what the concept of wholesaling could be. And then it was very quickly, I realized the reason the brokerage didn't let me do it is because they didn't get a piece of it. The reason mm. my, my partner didn't want to go do it was because he's making $400,000 a year. If he leaves the brokerage that's feeding him commercial opportunities, that's feeding him a bunch of free listings and referrals. I mean, he crushes it inside a small boutique brokerage where he has no other competition and he's known as the commercial guy. Right. So why would he separate that? Sure. So for me to take that uh, leap of faith, I share just whenever I tell stories like this, because I think it's important for people to know there's usually a crossroad where you have to make some hard decisions. Uh, And I mentioned this at our last mastermind. I don't believe in pros and cons. I believe in opportunity versus risk. The opportunity was for me to go out there and make, shoot, okay, maybe I'm not Templeton. Maybe it's not 400,000 on the side. But if I can make six figures a year by wholesaling, I would be much happier working less. This is Gen Z in me. I'd be much happier making more money by doing less if it meant that I had more time and flexibility with my schedule and I wasn't under somebody else's like control. I didn't want to be thumb down on me. This is what I had to do every single day. Uh, So I just believed in it. I took that opportunity. The risk was that I stayed where I was, but I was content. I would be content doing 60 plus hours a week of work. I would be with a partner, which isn't bad. He obviously helped me out, but half of what I make in net number goes to him. 
So is it worth what he brings in on his own with commercial and business broker deals? Or is it worth me going and exploring something and figuring it out? I see. So that's I what see. I did. Dude, what, um, what, what was, what, what's a recent thing that you can think of that you did that was out of your comfort zone? Hmm. That's a really good question. Recent thing I've done out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, I don't know. I honestly don't know that answer because I feel like at this point now, a lot of the stuff I do, it's calculated risk. I'm not right. really taking too many um, crazy swings or anything like that. Um, I would say probably two years ago. And that's about how like recent I could think of something that was out of my comfort zone. Okay. I always jumped around offices. After I left that partnership in the brokerage, I went to eXp Realty. eXp is a big MLM brokerage. It was a shiny object at the moment. When I joined, there was like 3,000, 4,000 agents. It's over 100,000 agents now just for perspective. Right. Um, I was in joining that brokerage because it was virtual. It seemed more modern. It seemed like it could be the future. And the way it's structured is that Templeton was my sponsor. So any deal I closed, he got incentivized. Uh, the cool thing about that was that he was going to teach me. The sure. bad part about that was that it was virtual. So what I started doing at a young age was I would go to like the shared workspaces and I would rent um, like a room. I'd rent an office right. room. So I had a place to go to outside of just staying at home. At um, a certain point, we kept evolving, 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 doing more deals. But a couple of years ago, I got an office building, personally guaranteed, put it in my name. And it was like a building. Like, I mean, we're talking like $4,000 a month and I'd never spent that kind of money before on just a space. Sure. Uh, that was something that, I mean, was kind of the start to me um, revamping and restructuring and then starting to spend more money again. And the only reason I say it was out of my comfort zone is because one, it was leased, which is not ideal. $4,000 out a month is a lot of money to be just spending when it's basically burning. The second piece is that exactly what my worst nightmare was is what happened. Uh, last year, we lost half the team. So I had a big office building. I had all this space with a lot of overhead and a lot of risk while personally guaranteeing it. And what, there's three people, four people, you don't need that. Mm. So fortunately being in real estate and having commercial background, we got it subleased and cash flowing some money on it now, but there was a good six, seven months there that I was spending that every single month on my own, no help, nothing like that, um, without a team even being in, in the office. So comfort zone, it is what it is, but there's plenty of learning lessons. And I'm sure as time goes on, I'll think of some more, uh, but there's sure. just lots of learning lessons. Sure. For, for the, <clears throat> for the people out there that, I mean, you know, they're definitely not as deep into it as you are and whatnot. And, you know, maybe they come across some setbacks or two. Um, I noticed a lot of them can not really take people out of the game mostly, but, but, you know, it just, it, it hurts. It, uh, you know, sure. they, they put a lot of faith in the, in the things panning out and it doesn't, how do you deal with disappointment right now in business? You, you don't, I mean, you, if you're going to let it define you, I mean this with all due respect and hopefully again, I'm not taken the wrong way, but if you believe you're a loser, you are a loser. Mm. If you believe you're a winner, you're a winner. Um, it's the cliche sayings. I mean, I could list off a bunch of them inside here, but like you don't um, lose, you learn, right? You, right? you win or you learn. Um, I think that that's important, but at the same time, this goes back to the opportunity versus risk. If the risk is that it wipes you out, you shouldn't be taking that risk. It's the same thing I tell people I'm like the one guy that sells education that tells a majority of the people I talk to not to buy it. The reason being <laughs> is that someone's like, this has to work, or this is my last X amount of dollars, or this is my Hail Mary. And I'm like, you want to know what I would do if I was in your shoes? I would do exactly what I did. Go and find value, which is finding a skill set. And mm. if it means you have to work for somebody else, lose your ego. And if it means that you can't do it because you need to pay your bills, guess what? Go get a job. Like, it is what it is. I mean, throughout the story, I'm sharing a lot of the successes, but dude, there was a point I had like $30 in my bank account. This was after three years. I mentioned I left the brokerage. I left the partner. I was at eXp for like three months. I lost pretty much all the money I had made of what I had saved up. And then I went in and I invested into a couple of courses in education teaching me wholesale. The only downfall was that there was nobody saying, go do agent outreach and go do MLS. Right. That wasn't taught to me. So what I had to go and do was try all the different ways of wholesaling. And I went direct to seller. Dude, after three years of being told I'm crushing it and making all these great decisions, I was beating myself up like, mm. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm living in a townhouse and my girlfriend at the time is going to have to pay my bills. 
I'm done. I was told I was crushing it for three years and I've got less than a hundred bucks in my bank account. I can't pay next month's rent. Luckily, luckily, I doubled down on what I knew I could do. I've worked 10 to 12 hour days before making cold calls. Let's work 14. What else do mm. I have to do anyway? Am I going to play some Madden? Yeah, I could, but like that's not going to pay my bills. So instead, I doubled down. I ended up getting a deal literally with like three or four days left from Agent Outreach for $30,000. That one deal defined everything. It gave me the confidence, gave me the proof of concept, and I stayed true to the course. So I think that it's a testimony to obviously our strategy, but it's a testimony to anything in life. If you give up and walk away when you're this close to the finish line, yeah, I mean, you're going to be upset. And I'd even done that when I was younger. I mean, there's a number of things in sports and academics where I was this close and I right. walked away. Right. So is that how I'm going to be in life? Am I going to be the guy that always gets this close and just walks? That's what I think most people even dream of is getting this close. Right. Most people don't get this close because they're too scared. They're not willing to take the risk. And again, the crosser, I'm going to mention it again, opportunity versus risk. If your opportunity outweighs the risk and you have more to gain than you do to lose, 99.9% .9 of the time, situationally, you should be taking that opportunity. Mm. And the reason I think most people don't is comfort. Comfort is the biggest drug out there. And I think that reason people are comfortable is because they enjoy the lifestyle they have. They cannot envision it. Not to go again, cliche manifestation or um, mindset or anything like that. I always believed I was a winner. I always knew I had what it was going to take to succeed. I just wasn't there yet. Right. So if you believe that and you actually are doing the right action steps to get there, time is really just fake. So what it comes down to is as long as you're taking the right steps, that's again, education, that's having the right foundation. As long as you're doing the right things consistently, I don't care who you are. A clock, a broken clock is right twice a day was my mentality when I was in my, my lowest point. So at a certain point in life, that one time it was going to be right on the day was a $30,000 check. Hmm. That next crossroad, do I take that 30,000 and put it back into direct to seller? Do I go hire more VAs? Do I skip trace another list? Do I go get a new CRM? Hell no. I was <laughs> just looking at W2 jobs, bro. I put that in the bank. I saved that away, put some money aside for taxes. And I was like, I've got carry the three. I'm like, I've got like 12 months of runway now. Nice. Hell yeah. Let's do this again. Let's go. So that ended up equating to a $250,000 a year. Why? Because I was in a different headspace. I had already had the proof of concept. I had already been told I was crushing it and I believed it. And at this point, I had the success. I found it. I understood it. I believed in it. I believed in myself. And at that point, it was also a realization that what one of my mentors, Steve Trang, had been saying this whole time, uh, you don't need partners. Partnerships 90% of the time are actually bad. They are not going to be successful. The reason is that one person ends up putting in more effort than the other. Expectations right. aren't clear. One person has more skin in the game than the other person or ego. Ego gets in the way where you just feel like you deserve more. You could do more on the other on without them than you right. could with them. So what I found was that because I didn't really have that ego side, what I was looking for with partnerships was that somebody else was going to take a workload off of me. That was when I started to realize I don't need partnerships. I need employees. I need, mm. I need assistance. I need people that are going to be delegated task holders of what I need them to do while I'm out here building what I need to, to get to the promised land for me. And as long as I take care of my people and make sure they understand where this ship is going, okay. I'll see you guys at the finish line. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's powerful, man. What, what would you say to someone? Because look, I feel like we are, I don't want to say we're cut from the same cloth, but, but. You know, the reason why I feel like I got that first deal so quickly is the belief in myself. Same with For you. Sure. Like there's, there, there's just this attitude of, of undeniability. What is your, what's your message to people that, that don't have that belief in themselves? They're driving right now in the car and they're like, shit, man, like, sounds good, Mr. Confidence. What, what's your, what's your feedback to them? Um, no one's going to care about it more than you. So you might listen to this and think that I'm super inspiring and you could do the same thing. You might be on the contrary where you listen to this. You're like, oh, screw this guy. Another one of those inspirational BS stories. Here we go again. I think you're right. No matter what it is you believe, you're right. So mm -hmm. um, if you're at the point where you feel like you just can't figure it out, you need a new supporting cast. Right. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Meaning that if you have deals coming in and you're finding success incrementally, as long as that's what you're okay with, stay there. If you feel like you're in this comfort zone where you're learning and learning and learning, we always hear analysis paralysis. It drives me crazy. I don't believe in it. 
I really don't. Thank you I, for saying that. I don't. <laughs> I, I just, I think that it's a waste of time and it's a cop out. When people say, oh, I've been learning this for X amount of years, or I've been studying it, or I've been doing this, or I invested in this community and it didn't work out. It, it's not the community. You didn't work out. That's again, where I'm talking about intention. I'm talking about being very focused, doing the right consistent action steps. The right consistent action steps isn't waking up and time blocking a certain amount of time to go learn. Hmm. It's about failing forward. I mean, I'm 25 and I feel like I'm wasting time. So if I'm 40 years old, 50 years old, possibly even have a family, you want to talk about wasting time? You don't have time to waste. And again, not to go dark or anything like this, but like you have less time than I do. So if what you're doing right now and the reason you're jumping into a new industry and trying out this whole new craft is to better your life and better the future of those you care about around you, what are we doing on Zoom after Zoom after Zoom after mm. Zoom? I do not give a shit about how much we're trying to learn. You want to know how the best people learn? It's literally by getting in the right rooms. And that's where I think the biggest issue with 2023 and technology and all this stuff is the majority of people that have a platform shouldn't. The amount of people that are out there acting as if they have the credibility don't. And I don't mean that again in some disrespectful ways if I've got it all figured out. There are so many things that I still have to learn myself. My problem is that we are so willing to accept and consume information from just anybody rather than just going and finding that one person. Mm. So one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my short seven years of real estate and 25 years of life is that you have to be in the right rooms with the people that actually are doing what it is you're trying to accomplish. Does that mean that I need to wake up and say, I want to be Ryan Zolan? Absolutely not. You need to wake up and say, you know, I really like how Ryan has blank. I want to replicate that. There's some things in my life you might absolutely hate and you would never want to be a part of. And I understand. So this is where life is a buffet. Take the good, leave the bad. There's a lot of rooms I've been in where there are some amazing people, some amazing business people, some of the shittiest human beings I've ever met in my entire life. Hmm. There are sometimes I've met some of the shittiest human beings in my entire life, and they are amazing at business as well, like where they have the most structure, they're most organized, they have the ability to scale and visualize things in just a way I can't even explain. Am I going to go replicate their shitty lifestyle? No. Am I going to go try to take a piece and just a slight piece of what they've done in business and hopefully be similar? Absolutely. So I think that's the part where, um, again, shout out to Templeton, but one of his infamous phrases is rip off and duplicate, R&D. If you can rip off and duplicate a variation of somebody else's lifestyle that you're trying to be like, why do we watch shows? Why do we consume social media? Why do we even pay for education to try to be like whoever it is that is teaching it or in that position that we are looking up to? So as long as you can take it with a grain of salt and not look at that person as if they are your Messiah or whatever it is that you believe in, I get it, dude. I am all in agreement 100% they might be a cool person but you just don't realize how many of them behind the scenes are actually not what you want to be. So that's where it's important to be in the right rooms, have the right supporting cast and figure out most importantly, if I were to try to be somewhere in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, two years, three years, however long it is, who is it? And whatever it is, whoever it is, pay to get in that room. If you don't have the money to pay to get in that room, can you sacrifice time? Can you go work for that person? Can you bring a deal to the table to get in the room with the person that you want to be like? I mentioned Templeton. I keep mentioning him. He's an amazing guy. Temp didn't have anything that he owed me. I told you I was at EXP for three months. How is Templeton one of my best friends right now? Right. By doing deals. What is the value that I brought to him? Deal after deal after deal after deal. At a certain point, you start calling. You want to know who steps away from the dinner table? It's the one that you make freaking hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're like, hey, you know what? I love you, honey. Give me one second. Right. What's up? Or... They're at the dinner table. They don't answer the call. They send a text. I'll call you back in 10 with the fam. Cool. That's called open communication and transparency because they see value in what I have to offer. Mm. I'm not going in saying, hey, you want to go get lunch? Can I pick your brain? <laughs> pick your brain. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't work. So I don't know. I think that um, for people that are in that position, just find the right supporting cast. I mean, we literally have a Discord community right now that has free coaching calls every single day, Monday through Friday for two, three hours a day where they are literally sitting there as a community. No one's getting paid to do this. And they're all cold calling agents together and submitting offers for free. Why, why wouldn't people be a part of that? You can go spend 10 grand, elsewhere, 15 grand. Like you can do all that stuff, but there's literally options out there that are free. People just don't want to help themselves. Oh, it's so good. 
We'll definitely get uh, some info to that Discord uh, shortly. I, I'm going to ask this one, one more question that it's sure. kind of still on this topic, but I'm curious to know what your answer is. Do you think people fear or, or mostly uh, fear failure or success? Success all day, hmm. all day. It's not even close. I mean, the fear of failure is the fear of the unknown. The fear of success is the, the fear of what's even possible. Mm. Um, I believe that, and I always try to give kudos where it's deserved, but Russ is by far one of my favorite rappers. Love him. He's independent. Um, he was in an interview and he was talking about the best and worst advice he's ever been give, given. And the worst advice was to be realistic. The best advice was what if it turns out better than you imagined? So oh, why wouldn't okay. you go and take those risks? Opportunity versus risk. Fourth time, I'm literally bringing it up. I hope it resonates with people. And if you haven't caught on now, this is important. Opportunity is always, always, always on the table. So if you can have the belief, and I do believe this is the case, there is no statistic that proves it, but you have at least one life-changing opportunity that is presented once a week. Once a week. Four times a month. You want to have a negative belief mindset? I Fine. Okay, let's play your <laughs> pessimism. You have one life-changing opportunity that crosses your table every single month, and you don't know what to do with it. That's the problem. That's where people have more fear of what is truly possible in the world and success than they do in all the ways possible of failure. Because if it, if people could see through the, the future, whatever, we had that magic, that magic lens, crystal ball, whatever you want to call it, and you could see in five years, two different outcomes. Option one, you end up failing. Option two, you end up succeeding. And you knew which path it led to get to both options. Obviously, everybody would pick the best case scenario. But if you could imagine what was even possible, the slightest bit in the best opportunity, bro, the amount of people that would be taking swings every single day would be so much higher. The issue with this, and I'm trying not to go too much on a soapbox here, okay. is that it's society. It's our freaking school system. It's our educational system. It's what's indoctrined into people in life. Stay within the guidelines, follow the rules, do not break mm. the rules. You break them, you're going to get slapped on the wrist and you're going to be canceled. You're going to be put in jail. You're going to be fined. You're going to have all of these scary things that could happen. I get sued all the time. Like, and that's not supposed to be exciting. That's just the cost of doing a lot of volume in business. You have to understand that things are going to happen that are out of your control. Again, controlling what you can control is a huge part of it, but it is what it is. Just ride the waves, good and bad. But having that right supporting cast around you, I'm undefeated in lawsuits. Like nice. I have the right supporting cast around me from a very good attorney to having also very good mentors that when things pop up, I make a phone call. Hey, what's up, Steve? This just happened. Blah, 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 blah. You know, the other day I called Steve asking about section eight and he went on to asking me if Amber, my girlfriend was the one I'm going to marry. And I'm like, bro, what? Like, <laughs> like, that's how deep I get into these conversations with my mentors and my supporting cast is that he told me I was asking the wrong questions. He legitimately told me, and I think it's in the other room. Oh, There's funny. a book called rigging the game. He's like, stop mm -hmm. worrying about what's the next best thing and start worrying about just playing your own game. Like you already do. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you were to try to compare yourself to wherever somebody else is, it's, apples to oranges. It's not even comparable. So what you're trying to ask me is the wrong question. Call me back when you figure out what the right question is. Done. Got it. Tip my cap to you. And I appreciate you. God. That's the difference in success versus failure. Clearly you have some in, like incredible people in your life, dude. And gosh, I mean, that's, I, I don't want to talk about me at all, but that, that was definitely one of the, the defining things in, in my life, in my real estate career. When, when, I don't want to say when things started to take off because I've only been doing this for a year, but when we really started getting trajectories, when we started looking around and noticing who we're talking with and who we're networking with and the way they're challenging us, the way that just their presence. It's a different, it's a different game. It, when you're in the game of trying to figure out deal number one versus how to get to deal number 500, the conversations are different. And that's not saying one person's better than the other. It's just different conversations. It's what we talked about at the beginning of this conversation that I grew up with. We're not an employee mentality of, there's this union I'm a part of and we're going on strike or this is how I can go get a $1 an hour raise or this is how mm. I can go get um, X whatever new video game with the paycheck that I'm living paycheck to paycheck with. Like there was no, I don't even know what to call it. It's just like there, I don't, I don't know. I feel like middle class nowadays actually is like higher class than what they even give themselves credit for. Sure. But I feel like poverty 
truly can be broken. And I get it. It might be weird coming from me, but the amount of people that I've helped that I've seen take what they've had nothing with, no money out of pocket, no credit, nothing involved in real estate, no connections to getting a $10,000 check. It's usually the biggest check they've ever received in their entire life. Anybody, anybody, myself included. I mean, I remember getting a $5,000 check and being like, holy cow, let's go do this like twice a month. Right. Like, you see that it breaks your brain. It makes you starting. It makes you start to think differently. You start to think right. bigger. And so that's what I think the biggest difference is, is that people that are worried about deal number one, you're thinking like this, right? When you start thinking about like, okay, well, when I get that deal, what does it look like? Not hmm. talking about spending, but what am I going to feel? There's a guy uh, on my, my team now, and he was actually one of our students in our diamond program messaged me. And he was telling me about like one of the calls he had with a member in our community. They were talking about all the struggles they were having. And he was like, you need to go out there and cut a check. I don't even care if it's on a piece of paper and you draw a fake check, write yourself a check for $10,000, for $100,000, for a million dollars. Instead of feeling like a fraud, have a check in your wallet that's worth over a million dollars and see how that makes you feel and think every single day. And if you can't play pretend like that, I need you just to bear with me here and understand what the philosophy of this is. Mm. We are winners. We are not going to lose. We are going to push through whatever it takes to find success. And there's a reason few and far between find success in real estate. And I think it's mostly mindset and it's discipline. Most people do have freedom and flexibility with their schedule. They just don't know what to do with it. That's where if you have the right consistent action steps to take and the right supporting cast around you, success is inevitable because you will lose your seat at the table when you're around people that are winners because they don't hang out with losers. For sure. For sure. Dude, um, you, you're obviously you're, you're super put together. Uh, you, you know, you've got a long, uh, road ahead of you, uh, you know, Lord willing. Um, but you know, as one could say, we like, everyone can improve. We can always improve. Of course. What, what's a, what's a personal development trait that you are currently looking to improve on? I'm working really heavy on, um, Brent actually taught this to me, Brent Daniels. He had mentioned, there is no such thing as like work-life balance. It's like a harmony and there's seasons. There's a lot of times where you have to ride the waves, good and bad. There's things in real estate that are cyclical again, out of our control. Um, there's times relationships might be tough. They might be great. The ebbs and flows. What I'm really focusing on now, I think I'm very intentional anyway, but I would like to disconnect a little bit. I've done well in real estate, um, thankfully. And through all the lessons I've learned, the biggest sacrifice that I feel like I've um, gone through so far, and again, thankfully I'm young, uh, I haven't really had those experiences. There's been a lot of times where you know I didn't go to college. I didn't really get to experience that party life or anything like that. I've gone trying to do the clubs and stuff recently, and it's, you know, I mean, sad. You go around, you see the people that are out there living for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, but what I really have missed out on is, I think, more friendships. It's more sure. experiences in life. It's more opportunities to go and travel and do things like that. So what I'm really trying to focus in on now is not going and splurging and traveling the world for six months abroad, but like, let's go out and put aside two weeks to go out there. Like I did this last, I was gone for the last couple of weeks. I went to New York and Boston with a couple of my buddies from high school. We went to a bunch of baseball games. So I was able to disconnect first time in a few years where I was not doing anything real estate at all. People were calling me with questions. I said, figure it out. So I'm trying to do a little bit more of that, um, not stepping away or anything like that, but just a little disconnect. I think that I where see. I'm at in my um, life and where I'm at in my career, uh, I think some of the stuff we've done is, is earned. So I'm going to focus in on just trying to be a better boyfriend, be a better leader for my team, be a better friend to a lot of the people around me and just see where it all takes me. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I, that that's uh, it's something to keep in mind. I, uh, Brent Daniels is a person for me, um, who is a, a guy who, um, I, I aspire towards in terms of like, we're just, we're in alignment in terms of our goals and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a lifestyle dude. Um, I really enjoy lifestyle, I enjoy going places and things and weekends and whatnot. I enjoy leisure, yep. um, but I, I don't, I don't revel in it. If, if that makes sense. Like I don't really look forward to it, but when it's there, I, I, I enjoy, enjoy it. it. So yeah, for sure. My, my partner on the other hand, he's go, 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 go. He's a hustler, man. And so we, we work well together there. Uh, but, but Brent's definitely one of those guys who I, um, I, 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 I he was one of the most inspiring guys I've been around. Uh, I had the fortune of doing a show with him for about a year and, I would even say I had to grow up a lot, even just being around him, you know, being around a guy at that caliber and the experiences and perspective that he has, 
there's so much more that I still could have learned from him that um, whenever I get the chance to talk to him now, I just try to shut up as much as I can. So he's a, an amazing human being, and I just love what he's all about. Let me ask you this. This is kind of like just a friend to friend question. Like, yep. like yeah, I can hit the pause button on this on this podcast, but I want to ask you because you're in these circles, and and this is a, a selfish question. I'm going to do this time. Um, I, I want to ask you if kind of is my mindset correct on this? And so, I, I've we've been fortunate enough to have some pretty you know decent, uh, pretty big names on our show, and just talk to other people who are doing crazy things. A lot of people who are well known and whatnot, um, and. Brent is a guy who I, I feel like I, um, I don't have the audacity to reach out to him yet. And it's only because in the long term, I truly, I wish to gain a meaningful relationship with him. And I don't want it to be transactional at all, or, Hey, do this for me. Come on my pot. None of that stuff. Sure. Um, is that a proper outlook to have? Or am I, am I, am I, you know, my thinking too deep into it by, uh, by saying, so I, I yes and no. Um, I think it depends on the person. A lot of times, uh, the people that are going to respond and stuff, what you have to be mindful of is like who it is you're speaking to. So whether they have representatives that you go through or assistants that you talk to, what you have to find is that sometimes there is a price to pay. So sometimes you have to pay for people to be on a podcast. Sometimes you have to pay to be in the right rooms with them. And I'm close to six figures deep in personal development with education and courses, communities, masterminds, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So um, I had the luxury of Brent reaching out to me, asking me to do the show with him just because I was making some noise out here in the market. And the show we were doing was Millionaire Before 30. Right. Obviously, I'm under 30. So um, I think I fit the criteria for what he was looking for at that moment. Uh, but with that said, what I could tell you is that even being on the receiving side of where a lot of times people message me saying, can I get coffee? Can we go do this? Can we go do that? It's always like the same pitch. So if you could find a way to be unique and stand out, I don't think it hurts. If I was in the position where I was trying to reach out to some, um, people that I looked up to and wanted them to be on my shows or just be in proximity, the amount of times that like I have like stopped, I could count on like maybe two hands. Uh, what I would say is some of the things that have caught my attention, not that you ever want to buy friendships or anything like that. I'm at a dinner and I post a dinner. Somebody's called the restaurant and paid for the dinner. And I'm like, who the hell? Oh, Thought wow. I'm like looking around like who paid for this? They're like, oh, it's from so-and-so. And it's like an at name on social media. Um, I've had friends that have had bottles of wine, bottles of liquor showing up at their house because they could tell that person loves whatever it is that the person bought. Um, I would say handwritten cards is a very cheap, effective way of doing it. But sure. it's something different to stand out. It's the same thing as prospecting for deals and for agents. Um, after you're done doing a deal with an agent, a handwritten card with a gift card ends up at their mailbox. Realtors don't get gifts. So right. to catch someone's attention in 2023 is tough. Uh, obviously, we always talk about value and you hear value mentioned by everybody. But you miss 100% of the shots you don't take is something I would definitely live by. I would just be very strategic and aware right. of who it is that I'm messaging. So That's if awesome. you're going to try to go message Gary Vaynerchuk. You're not going to send a letter to Gary V and get a response. Right. You're better off just sending a DM over and over and over again until you do. Sure. Um, with that said, um, I think gift giving is always an option. I think that providing value in the form of a deal or in something that they can relate to is always an option. Uh, there is always the crazy people that just randomly show up at the offices and that's 50-50. And what I found is when people <laughs> showed up with me, it was just depending on the day. There were right. sometimes like people would show up to my office because it was on Google and they were like, hey, is Ryan here? And people would be like, oh, do you have an appointment? And they're like, no, I just wanted to meet him. That caught me on some bad days where I'm like, tell them no. And there were some <laughs> days you catch us as we're sitting around, you know, just shooting the shit in real estate and someone walks in, you're like, welcome. Let's sit down and chat for a little bit. So all that said, I don't know if that's any good insight or um, information, but I would try to just be strategic and aware. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, you know, I, I don't know, I don't want to go too much into it, but, but man, we, you've given me so much of your time and there, there's just a few little, it's, it's kind of the, the common questions that I, that I sure. yeah. like to ask at the end because I get some valuable insight from it. I'm sure the listeners do as well, but what, what's a pain that you cherish the most? A pain? Yes, sir. A past pain. Sorry. Hmm. It's tough because I think that I'm very outspoken. So I think it's a blessing and a curse because it can piss people off and burn bridges. 
But at the same time, too, I speak freely and I could sleep at night knowing that I spoke my mind. Right. So um, being outspoken, when I first started in real estate, I wasn't really like that. I was a sponge. I kept my mouth shut and I absorbed as much information as I could to where as I got a little more comfortable, I got comfortable, um, felt comfortable saying what I felt and what I thought. Uh, I will say my gut intuition most of the time is typically right. Uh, but with that said, it's something that is a blessing and a curse. So cherish it because I think I communicate well, um, upset with it because I think it gets me into some trouble. So. Okay. <laughs> well, so who, who's the person in your life um, that you haven't yet, but you'd like to think? Hmm. You know, it's, it's tough because I feel like I'm very appreciative of everyone I talk to and I always um, make sure that they, at least what I think, I feel like I want them to hear it. Uh, but I would say as of recent, the main person I need to thank is just my girlfriend. Like awesome. she started this with me when we were, um, it's 2019, I think it was. Uh, she had just gotten out of high school and we were in that same business club. I was just older than she was and I'd been in real estate for some years that when she came and joined the team, there was no like prior connection or relationship with us. So she kind of got fed to the wolves the same way I did in real estate where I left her in an office for six, seven, eight hours a day. And I said, call my old leads, have fun. And literally to this day, like three years later, she's still working old leads. Wow. Uh, but no, I just, I thank her so much for everything, man. Like she, she's my rock. She's my, my backbone of my business. Um, true yin and yang. I'm the outspoken extrovert that will go out there and ma manage the sales and the business and acquiring things. And she loves the organization, the systems and processes, the integration side. So we're very, very polar opposites, but I couldn't do what I do right now without her. So that's perfect. What's her name? Her name is Amber. Shout out Amber. Amber. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. incredible. Man, yeah, it's good that you uh, found a person like that this very early on, man. It's, she found me, man. I, me uh, I was young and dumb, and I still am. But like, she uh, she gave me a reason to kind of slow things down a little bit and look at it from a different lens. We don't really have any plans or future vision right now as for kids, uh, but lifestyle and being able to enjoy, I don't think it's all that often that you find people at our age that um, we go to bed at like 8.30. You know, like we're going out to dinner here <laughs> It's three o'clock. I mean, we're going out to dinner at 445 for dinner reservations. So like that's our lifestyle. We like the get in, get out, go to bed kind of vibe. Um, but then we just get a lot done. We love to spend time together. Her office is in the house too. So we both obviously work remote, but we're basically together 24 seven. So it's a really good duo. That's so funny. I can't wait to, to rub this in my partner's face. I, I always jokingly say that you two look alike. Because uh, to me, you oh, do. Yes, you, you very much so. Look it's probably just the skinniness, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's got a, a fairly new relationship as well. And she's amazing. She owns her own legal practice. And Beautiful. she's just an incredible person. And they wake they they, uh, they wake up every morning early and go for walks. And uh, they go to bed at like 839. They do old people stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's my vibe. I always found that like nothing good happens after like 11 p.m. But um, no, we're, we're, we're good. Everything's all good. Uh, we keep very low key and just kind of ride the waves. And then I just do what I do in real estate. Awesome, brother. Literally, I, selfishly, I want to ask if you could recommend one person to come on this show, who would it be and why? Templeton Walker. Hey, let's go Templeton. Walker. I can make the introduction for you. He's an amazing guy. Uh, his story and the way he just articulates things is just, it's different. It's special. Incredible. Ryan, thank you so, so, so much for your time, man. I course, mean, bro. this is one of literally one of my favorite interviews. So uh, it's it's been a long time coming and good things come to those who wait. And sometimes it's worth waiting and, and being sure. persistent, right? So thank for you sure. well, so much. I appreciate much, it, bro. Man. Absolutely. Guys, I want to say, like I always send these things with, I want to see you in that seat. I want to interview you. Please do whatever you can. Hang in there. Fight, fight, fight. Fight for your dreams. Go out there and crush it. Make it happen. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Wholesale Lead. Till then, peace. What up, Elite fam? That's a wrap for today's episode. But look, if you got value out of the show today, do us a huge favor and give us a review or give us a like or subscribe. Do all the things to help us get the word out there. And look, we want to see you on the next show. So get out there and crush it. Make it happen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.